0: Shalom, everyone, from Yerushalayim, and uh, once again, uh, it's a great pleasure for me to participate uh, in the series that you're running in Atlanta uh, this year. It is the Aseris Adibros, and uh, I have the honor of discussing the Fourth Commandment, Remember the Day of Shabbos to Keep it Holy. It's a well-known aphorism uh, that was actually coined by a non-observant Jew, Achad Ha'am, Usher Ginsburg, who was a famous cultural Zionist, in which he said, more than the Jews have kept the Shabbos, the Shabbos has kept the Jewish people. And in many, many ways that's tremendously true. There is nothing as important to the continuity, to the transmission of the beauty of Judaism and the meaning of Judaism than the notion of Shabbos. The notion of resting one day a week to acknowledge that God is the creator of heaven and earth. Actually, I'd like to start with a little story that I read from uh, your senior rabbi, Rabbi Emanuel Feldman, uh, Shalita, may he be well, who I uh, occasionally see here in Eretz Yisrael. And he tells the story in one of his books or articles of the fact that uh, in his early years in the rabbinate, perhaps I'm missing some of the details, Uh, There was a woman that would often visit the office who was not uh, yet Orthodox, but she would often make the point that, Rabbi, I may not be so Orthodox, but at least I keep the Ten Commandments. And uh, normally he would just let her say that. He wouldn't make a point. But he says one day he was a little busy and etc. He was a little curt. And he said to her, oh, yeah, well, what about the Fourth Commandment? And when she said, what is the Fourth Commandment? He said, remember the day of Shabbos. Uh, to keep it holy, and she said, "Well, she didn't know that the, she didn't know that it was on the list." So often, when people say they keep the Ten Commandments, they often mean they keep the last five. They don't, you know, they don't murder, they don't commit adultery, they don't covet, although that's a hard one too. Uh, but Lema'i says, Shabbos is indeed one of the fourth. Now, the truth of the matter is, interestingly enough, the mitzvah of Shabbat was actually given even before. The Ten Commandments even before the giving of the Torah it was given to us in the oasis of Mara before we even came to Har Sinai and yet it was reiterated in the uh, Ten Commandments. Now there are many many things that we can say about Shabbos and in in truth there's no real way I could possibly get everything in in the limited amount of time we have but let me share just a a few major points. Number one, all of us know that there's actually two different versions of the Ten Commandments in the Torah. There is the version in the Book of Exodus. And then when Moshe Rabbeinu, before his death, is reviewing the events of Matan Torah, he once again recounts the Decalogue. And by and large, the two versions are virtually the same. There's probably an 85 to 90 percent correspondence. But there are some significant differences. And the most significant differences are precisely in the formulation of the fourth commandment. In Harshak Yisro, uh, in the book of Exodus, uh, the commandment begins, Zochor es Yoma Shabbat batacho, remember the day of Shabbos to keep it holy. When we go to Deuteronomy, Parshat Vietchanan, which is Moshe Rabbeinu's review of the Decalogue, instead of the word zachar, remember, it says shamar. Shamar is to observe, to keep. So which did God say? Did God say zachar, or did God say shamar? So our Chachamim teach us that Hashem said both words simultaneously. And that was incorporated in the beautiful liturgical poem that we sing, Friday night, L'cha compiled, Come, My Friend, to Greet the Bride, the Shabbos Queen, compiled by Shlomo Alkabatz, a Talmud of the Arizal, in the 1500s of Tzvat, and the poem begins, Shamar v'zachar v'dibur echad, that God declared, remember observing the Shabbos, and God declared remembering the Shabbos simultaneously in a way that a human being cannot possibly do, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu said both words at the same time, and we at the recipient end heard both of those words. Now, one could ask a very simple question, which has a very simple answer, and that is, if Zachar is first and Shamar is the second iteration of the Eser Adibros, why does the poem read, shamar and zachar it should actually say zachar vishamar but the answer is very simple uh, forgive me for asking you the question is an acrostic in which the first letter of each stanza is a letter in the author's name the author's name was Shalomo halevi therefore the first stanza has to be a shin Zachar is a Zion, so as a result, he had to invert the order. Instead of Zachar and Shamar B'Di Barachad, there is the Zachar, I'm sorry, Shamar B'Zachar B'Di so that the stanza begins with the Shin. But on a more basic level, we of course have to ask the question, what is the difference between the mitzvah of remembering the Shabbos day, which we have in Parshat Yisroh in Exodus, and observing the Shabbos day, Shamar, which we have in the Eschanan, in the book of Deuteronomy. And halakhically, there is actually a very, very significant difference. The Zachar at Yom Shabbat, remembering the day of Shabbos, that is referring to things like making Kiddush, acknowledging its sanctity, having meals, you might even say, even say the fun part of Shabbos, and even the Havdalah at the end. And it also includes not only what you do on Shabbos, but even thinking about Shabbos the rest of the week. So, for example, in the Hebrew language, there really is no distinct day for days of the week. We don't have a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, but rather we call it Yom Rishon Le Shabbat, the first day towards the Shabbat, and the second day towards the Shabbat. And the concept is that every single day, we think about Shabbat, that's remembering Shabbat, and then when Shabbat comes, we have a Kiddush, Havdalah, when we leave the Shabbat, Sauda. So that is remembering the day of Shabbos to keep it holy. Shamar is more of the negatives, refraining from doing malacha. So the Zachar is the positive aspect of Shabbat, the Shamar is observing the sanctity of Shabbos, by not violating the 39 categories of melacha, And of course, uh, the way we derive those categories was that in the construction of the tabernacle, there were 39 types of creative labor that were used in the building of the tabernacle of the Mishkan. And the Torah tells us it is precisely those activities that we are not allowed to do on Shabbat. Now, the truth of the matter is this dichotomy is not so clear Because even in Exodus, which emphasizes remembering the Shabbos, it then says in the middle of the paragraph, lo Saasa kal malacha. So indeed the negative is contained even in the positive. But because the paragraph begins with remembrance, it is primarily accentuating the positive aspects of Shabbos and the shamar is emphasizing the negative aspect of Shabbos. And again, that already teaches us that both are of equal importance. That is why they were said, Uh, If one were to simply tie themselves to their bed and sleep all of Shabbos, they would have fulfilled the Shamar, but they wouldn't have fulfilled the Zachar. The other way around, if one makes a beautiful Friday night meal with a Kiddush and a Hamotzi, but then they go out to the mall or go shopping or go to the beach or don't keep the malachot of Shabbat. They perhaps have done some fulfillment of remembering the day of Shabbat to keep it holy, but they haven't done the shamar. And uh, this is the concept. Shamar v'zachar v'tibur echad teaches me that it is both the positive and the negative that have to come together. So let me first... Uh, talk about uh, a very, very central idea. Most people can see that how beautiful Shabbos is, how festive the notion of a meal, the notion of being with your family, the idea of escaping the virtual world reality in order to be with family and friends and loved ones, uh, even going to show Some people think it's a little long, <laughs> maybe sometimes it's a little long, but still... You get to be connected to a community. All of that is so beautiful. But many people have problems with the notion of malacha. And what does it mean you can't do malacha on Shabbos? Let me give you a little story. When I was around 12 years old and I was in an Orthodox day school in Hartford, Connecticut, But most of my classmates were not Shomer Shabbos. This was before the days of Salman Schechter, So even people who were not Orthodox, if they wanted their kids to have a Jewish education, they would send their kids to the Orthodox school because that was the only school that existed. So I grew up with, and actually the truth of the matter, I think it was not such a bad thing, with Jews of all across the spectrum, ranging from Orthodox kids to largely non-Orthodox kids, reform or even kind of non-affiliated But they were culturally interested in Judaism. So I remember uh, I was once invited to the bar mitzvah of one of my classmates. And the bar mitzvah was going to be held in a Reformed temple. So putting aside the halachic issues, which I don't want to get into about that, I had to go through a five-mile walk uh, in the summer without an Arif, so I couldn't carry water, in order to get to the Reformed synagogue. Okay, I was younger then. Uh, the walk was not such a big deal. But as I'm walking in the heat and I'm schwitzing and I'm very uncomfortable, one of my English teachers, one of my secular teachers drives by, a very sweet woman who actually died recently, over 100 years old. But she was Jewish, but not uh, shomeret Shomer Shabbat. She stopped her car and she said, hey, can I give you a ride? And I explained to her, well, I'm not allowed to go into a car in Shabbat. So she said, why not? So I said, well, you know, the extra weight uh, on the seat is going to cause a greater burning of fuel. And that's called making a fire on Shabbos. And that's a prohibited molacha, a prohibited work. So I'm not allowed to go into the car because that's called work. So she asked me, so you're telling me this. You're walking five miles without water on a hot summer day because you're not allowed to do work on Shabbos by getting into an air-conditioned car, surely getting into an air-conditioned car is much less work than walking five miles. So at that point, you know, I was just 12 years old. I was kind of confused and I just kind of ran away or disengaged or something like that. But my teacher has a good point. If the idea of Shabbos is resting, not doing work, then some of the halacha don't make sense. On one hand, the halacha says that if there's no Erev, and I walk outside of the Erev by simply uh, carrying a toothpick in my pocket, I've done malacha. I've gone from a private domain to a public domain. On the other hand, in the house, I can move tables and chairs and and, and spend the whole day schwitzing, etc. So if the definition of malacha is physical labor, then it doesn't really make sense because many things are forbidden on Shabbos that do not involve physical exertion. And many things are permitted on Shabbos that do involve physical exertion. I'm sure many of you have either asked or have been asked about the notion of fire. Uh, We don't turn on an incandescent light bulb. Again, the LED has different issues, but let's just talk about the regular old-fashioned light bulb, I'm not sure if you still even have them, but some people may still have them. So it was said that turning on an incandescent light bulb, and again, I'm not dealing with other forms of electricity, is a an act of creating a fire because the current going through the filament and bringing it to a, to a glow is a fire. And the Torah says, thou shalt not make a fire on Shabbat. So people say, well, wait a second. In the olden days, to make a fire, you had to rub two sticks together. You had to take rocks. It was a lot of work. It took a real long time. So the Torah said it's laborious. Today, just flick a switch, light a match, turn on a stove. Is that going to be fire? There's no physical exertion there. So why should it be us? So here, it's very, very important to take the uh, insights of Rav Shimshin Raphael Hirsch, who says that the definition of malakha is not physical exertion. The definition of malakha is any type of creative activity that demonstrates man's control over his external environment. That the key to malacha is mastery Over my natural environment, whether it's plowing, planting, threshing, writing, creating fire, slaughtering, even carrying, even though you're not changing an article, but you're changing its location in the time space continuum. So that's called a certain act of dominion. And therefore, the fact that it's easier because of technology to turn on a light today than it was is not a reason why it should be permitted. It's even more of a reason that it should be forbidden because I'm demonstrating my mastery over my universe. The concept is that since Shabbat is a celebration of God as the creator of the universe, we celebrate the fact that God is the master of the universe by refraining from the activities that would demonstrate my mastery over the universe. I refrain from my creative control over the world to acknowledge that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the source. And therefore, Raphrosha's insight is a very, very beautiful insight because it liberates mulacha from physical exertion. Now, it's true that not to overly physically exert yourself to have menucha. Is also a component of Shabbos, and we'll, we'll talk about that. Certainly, Shabbos should also be a day in which physically you try to rest and recuperate, as well as devoting it to Torah, to family, to meal, and even sleep on Shabbat is Shingab Shabbat Tanug. <laughs> some sleeping, extra sleeping on Shabbat is part of Onik Shabbos, part of the pleasure of Shabbos. But the definition of Malacha. Is not keyed to physical exertion. It is key to a creative mastery over the raw materials of the universe. And as you go through the thirty-nine malachot, you will actually see that all of them involve that type of control, domination, the ability to transform, the ability to create, the ability to manipulate. All of that is part of the inyan. Of Malacha. And therefore, in a sense, you can see that remembering the Shabbat is part and parcel with observing the molachot, because observing the molachot is acknowledging that God is the source of creation. And that, in turn, leads me to remember and celebrate the Shabbat uh, through the Kiddush, through the Havdalah, through the special prayers of Shabbat, and through uh, the meals that are in honor of Shabbat as, uh, as well. So that's uh, one important point, the difference between Shamar and Zachar, but the fact that both of them are connected. Now, I do hasten to add that Judaism very much believes that something is better than nothing. So I don't mean to suggest that if a person is not keeping Shabbat at a 100% level, there is no value in half measures. That's absolutely not the case. Although as a person committed to halakha, I obviously have to advocate for Shabbat as a complete package, but if even but if a person is not in a place where they are, are emotionally ready to make a full commitment, something anything is very very valuable. The Chovas writes that when it comes to ruchniyot, when it comes to spirituality, there is never something that is so small and insignificant that Akkadish Baruch Hu is not machshevet and it's not considered something valuable and beautiful. So on one hand, there is a package deal here. On the other hand, there is a value. In fact, even if a person would only have Kiddush and sit with their family for a Friday night supper, that has value. It's not the end all and it's not a complete Shabbat and hopefully one should move on to ever and ever expanding fulfillment of Shabbat, but it is something and one should never say, I'm not going to start just because I'm not yet ready to, uh, to finish. Now, one difference between Yisro and V'yaschanan is Yisro, as we said, says Zachar, and V'yaschanan says Shamar. But there's another interesting difference, very significant difference. And that is a different reason is given for the observance of Shabbat. In Parshat Yisro, we are given the very familiar reason: Ki yamim asah Hashem Hashem made the world in six days. Uby <speaking in Hebrew> yom and on the seventh day, He rested. Well, that's beautiful. In other words, Shabbat is a commemoration of the creation of the world and the acknowledgement that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the creator. Right? That's the standard understanding of Shabbat. But if I read Parshat Svi'aschanan, the second version of the Ten Commandments, I see a totally different reason. You shall keep Shabbat because you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and God liberated you, God freed you from that slavery. And that is why he commanded you to keep the Shabbos day. In other words, strangely enough, Shabbos is not only a commemoration of Genesis, the creation of the world, but Shabbos is also a commemoration of the exodus from Egypt. And that is why we say in Kiddush that I'm making the Kiddush of Shabbos. To remember Yitzhiyas, Mitzrayim, the exodus from Egypt. And that is based precisely on the version of the Ten Commandments that appears in Parshas V.S. Hanan, where indeed the Zacharta, Kiev, Hayisa, the Shrine. The question is though, how does Shabbos commemorate that? I'm resting on Shabbos to remember the Exodus of Egypt. How is Shabbos connected to the Exodus in any sense at all? So here I would suggest that this is because Shabbos teaches two ideas that on some level are a little contradictory, but they ultimately come together. Lesson number one is, I am not the master of the world. I am not the boss. There is a boss that is above me. That's HaKadosh Baruch. And that is why I refrain from exercising my creativity Because God is the source of all creativity. So Shabbos, as connected to Briyash HaOlam, teaches me, I am not the master of the universe. But Shabbos, when it's connected to Yetzirah Mitzrayim, teaches me an opposite idea. The universe, the world, is not a master over me. Meaning, Hashem tells me, you're not a slave, you're free, you are a liberated person. The demands of the world stop. When Shabbos comes, you are not beholden to anyone else. They don't own you. So, interestingly enough, Shabbos, as connected to Bria Olam, reminds me of my subservience to Shabbos by Yitzhiya Smitrayim reminds me of my freedom vis-a-vis the rest of the, of the world. I am not the master of the universe, but the universe is not a master over me. And we combine this idea of freedom, but then taking that freedom and making it subservient to the service of HaKadosh Baruch It's kind of similar to the notion of Pesach. Pesach is the holiday of freedom, but Shavuos is the holiday of submission to Matan Torah. And we connect the holiday of freedom and submission to the counting of the Omer, because freedom cannot just be freedom from something. It has to be freedom towards accepting a Kodesh Borka. There's a famous, beautiful mashal that was given by the Indian poet Tagori who said, and he was not talking about Judaism. I don't know if he knew any Jews. He said that a soul is like a violin string that is capable of beautiful music. But if the string is totally untied, a loose string with freedom, without responsibility and without commitment, you can't get any music out of it. The music of the violin string is only when it's tied down into a framework the beauty of our souls express itself when we are tied down in commitments uh, to HaKadosh Baruch. And this brings me really to the final point uh, that I wanted to discuss and that is some thoughts about the special prayers of Shabbos. We know that Shabbos, instead of having the typical 19 brachos of the Amida where you ask Hashem for all sorts of things. And indeed, I think uh, you had a series on that. Yeah, I actually participated in that series. But on Shabbos, we only have seven blessings, whether it's Mincha, mairev Shachris, or Musaf. The first three blessings, the last three blessings are standard. And then the middle blessing is about the holiness of Shabbos. Mekadesh HaShabbat. It ends Mekadesh HaShabbat. But there is something unique about this because really every Yom Tov has a middle bracha, that's kedushat Tayom, the holiness of the day, and Shabbat has kedushat Tayom. But there's a real difference between the kedushat Tayom Bracha of Shabbos and the kedushat Tayom Bracha of the Yom Yom For Pesach Shavuot Sukkot, the middle bracha of Kedushatayom Tayom is identical whether it's Arvit, Shachrit, or mariv uh, or, or Mincha. and Musaf is a little different. When it comes to Shabbos, even though the concluding paragraph is the same, the opening paragraph is different. Friday night, Ataki Dashta, Shabbos morning. Yismach Mosheva b'Matnat Chelto. Shabbos Mincha, Echad This is very, very uh, peculiar. The only sacred day in the Jewish calendar that has a different opening of kedushat hayom. For myrev shachris and Mincha is Shabbos. Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot, it's the same. And in truth, even Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is the same. Again, Musaf. Is a different type of ball game, but for Shachris, for Myriv, Shachris, Mincha, even on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the Kedushat Hayom Bracha is the same. Shabbos is literally the only day in the Jewish calendar where the Kedushat Hayom of Arvit, Shachrit, and Mincha is different. The Torah explains that this is because each tefillah corresponds to a pivotal Shabbos in our existence. The first Shabbos was Shabbos voracious. God made the world in 10 days and he rested on Shabbos. So the theme of Friday night is the Shabbos of creation. And that is why the paragraph that is recited is Vayechulu, that God made the world in six days and he rested. The next pivotal Shabbos was the Shabbos that God gave us the Torah. God, according to Chazal, the Gemara and Shabbos tells us, God gave us, it was on Shavuos, but God gave us the Ten Commandments on Shabbos. So if the first Shabbos is Shabbos gracious, the second Shabbos is the Shabbos of Matan Torah. So the theme of Friday night is creation. The theme of Shabbos morning is revelation, and the third Shabbos is not really a single Shabbos, and we haven't had it yet. But that refers to the redemption, the Messianic era, the coming of Mashiach, the rebuilding of the Besamikdash Hamikdash, the ingathering of the exiles, world peace, and that is described by our sages and in the davening as well as Yom Shekulo Shabbos. The day of the eternal Shabbos. That is the Shabbos of redemption. And that is why the theme of Shabbos Mincha, just as we're leaving the Shabbat, we focus on the Yom Shekulo Shabbat, the eventual Shabbat of redemption. And that is why Mincha starts Atoyachad. God is one. Because when Mashiach comes, God's name will be one. All the world will worship God. And in this world, we sometimes perceive God as the God of justice and the God of mercy. Li asid Hashem will be achad We will see that even the midat hadin is merciful. So atoy is a messianic reference. Umi u'sh v'shimcha Your name is one again messianic. Yia Hashem achad u'shma lechad. Umi ki Yisrael go'yachad bi'aretz. And who is like your nation, Israel, a unique nation in the world, that too is a remez to messianic redemption because we know that the Chorban based on Mikdash exists, the second temple was destroyed because of Sinas Chinam, because of hatred and polarization. And it'll only be rebuilt when there's love and there's unity and therefore when there's achtos, when there's unity, when there's love, menuchat when our Menucha is coupled with love, and that can also mean not just love of God, which is, of course it does mean that, but also love for each other. So therefore the Torah says, the reason why the Kedushat Hayom Bracha has different formulations in arvat, shachrit, and Mincha is because there are three themes that are reverberating here there is the shabbat of creation there is the shabbat of revelation there is the shabbat of redemption those of you that are familiar with modern jewish philosophy may recall franz rosenzweig's book the star of redemption in which he indeed states that the three fundamental principles of jewish theology are connected to creation Revelation and redemption. I don't know if he saw the Torah or based it on the Torah at all, but the Torah says these are the three themes of the Tfilot of Shabbos creation, revelation, redemption. I would like to build on the Torah a little bit by suggesting the following idea. These three themes are not simply historical and future things. That will happen to the Jewish nation as a whole. But they actually apply to each and every one of us. Every single Shabbos. Every single Shabbos. We can go through a creation stage. A revelation stage. And a redemption stage. These are transformations that occur within us. From the beginning of Shabbat to the end of Shabbat. Not to say we will always experience this. Sometimes we may not. But at least potentially, these are the types of goals that we could try to achieve. So let's go over how the Torah's insight would apply, not just to Jewish history and future eschatology, but how it applies to me as an individual as I go through the great matana, the great gift that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us with Shabbos Kodesh, the holy day of Shabbos. The first and most basic level of Shabbos is that when Shabbos comes in, you are recreated, creation. You are reborn. That all of the trials and tribulations and pressures of the work week, unless you're a rabbi who has to work on Shabbos, but all of those pressures go away. You are like a newborn baby. So Friday night, as as Shabbos begins, you are quite literally recreated. That's one of the reasons why people are so tired Friday night because they finally let the tension leave them. And then they're ready to rest. So the first theme of Shabbat is freedom from the world. That's connected to Yitzhi Mitzrayim, actually. That's why in Kiddush we emphasize Zecher, li As Mitzrayim. And the notion of creation meaning I'm recreated. I'm reborn. I'm liberated. The Swaramakadeshim say that when the Torah says, six days shall you work, and on the seventh day you shall rest, it isn't just saying you work for six days, but rather psychologically, when Shabbat comes in, you should feel as if all your work has been completed. Lamaisa, all of us know that that's never the case, but psychologically, Call Malach Techa Asuya. All my work is gone. Many of you might know uh, the author, R. Herman Welk, who just died a short while ago. He was over 100, and uh, Baruch Hashem, he wrote many, many books. Um, he was an Orthodox Jew. For Again, he was raised an Orthodox Jew, and he died an Orthodox Jew. There was some time in the middle where perhaps he wasn't always, but uh, he became, and in fact, he wrote a wonderful book about Judaism called This Is My God. uh, And uh, shortly before he died, it came out in a second and revised edition. In This Is My God, he tells the story. And I'm not sure if I have all the details right, but this is substantially accurate. That one of his novels was being made into a Broadway play. I think it was The King mutiny And uh, this was very exciting for him. The first time that one of his books was made into a play. And he was a co-producer. And uh, they were working 18-hour days to try to get it ready for Broadway. I mean, a play on Broadway is a very big deal for a young novelist. And the play was going to open up Saturday night. And around 2 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, Herman Welk told his co-producer, well, I got to go now. The co-producer assumed he was going to the bathroom or getting a cup of coffee. And he simply said to him, okay, you got to go, you got to go but be back in a half an hour. So Herman Welk said to him, you don't understand, I'm not going for a half an hour. I'm going for 26 hours right now, and I will be back a half an hour before the play opens tomorrow night. And he mentioned that the co-producer was so astounded, so flabbergasted, he was speechless. He couldn't even imagine How can a person simply leave 26 hours, 28 hours before the play and be gone 26 hours and simply say no when you have a Broadway play that's opening tomorrow night? And Herman Welk writes that really for the first time he really appreciated what Shabbos means, as I said before. If it's not, unless it is a matter of life and death, pikuach nefesh, you just say no. The world does not own you. The world cannot make a demand on you. Shabbos is your day of freedom. You are reborn. You are recreated. So Friday night is about freedom. It's about rebirth. It's about being recreated. The world does not own me. But, as we said in the analysis of the Ten Commandments, that's not enough. Because just to be free does not give your life a purpose or a meaning. Just as Pesach requires a Shavuos, just as freedom requires, as Eric Graham put it, not just freedom from something, but freedom towards something to accomplish a meaningful goal. So too, Shabbat is not simply about liberating myself from external constraints, but using my freedom to deepen my relationship with Hashem and His Torah and with Am Yisrael. So if the theme of Friday night is liberation and freedom as seen by being recreated, the theme of Shabbos morning is directing that freedom towards submission to God's Torah and God's will and God's moral and ethical code. So therefore, the match between freedom and revelation corresponds exactly to the Pesach Shavuos thing, which is linked by Zfira to HaOmer. That is why, by the way, Friday night, Shabbat is referred to in the feminine. We shall rest in her, because Shabbat is like the mother that's given birth to the baby. Who can be nurtured and pampered and the like. Shabbat in the morning is we rest in him. Shabbat is achar because that is the father that, according to our tradition at least, is the one that takes the primary responsibility for teaching Torah and chinuch in mitzvot. Although obviously both parents are very important, but the father has the official designation because the Friday night Shabbos is the Shabbos that mothers me and pampers me and the Shabbos morning Shabbos is the Shabbos that teaches and directs and disciplines me and we need both the discipline and the freedom to be able to function. But then there is a third issue and that is the notion of redemption. Now redemption is obviously from a state of estrangement, a state of galutz, as a Jewish nation, we are still in Galut. We don't yet have the Beit HaMikdash. Most Jews are not living in Eretz Israel. And even in Eretz Israel, there is so much Machlopas. So Galut can exist in many ways. We can be dispersed in among many countries. We can be divided between Jewish people, sinat Chinam. But there's another type of Galut, which is an internal Galut, in which I am estranged from myself. I'm not living a life of authenticity. I'm not living a life of wholeness. My mind knows what is right. But my feelings and emotions are not in sync. I am a divided person. My mind moves in one direction. My feelings and my heart move in a different direction. So when we talk about redemption, when we talk about go'ula. That is not just a political statement of liberation from oppression. And it's not even limited to the spiritual return of the Jewish people to Eretz Israel. But it can also refer to the notion that my head and my heart are united in common purpose. And therefore, my emotions and my mind are working in synchronization towards that goal my life is authentic, my life is integrated. I've managed to surmount the dichotomies and the contradictions and the inconsistencies and the tension, and that is inner redemption. When enough of us achieve that inner redemption, then the outer redemption will come to confirm the existence of that redemption. So in a sense, Shabbat potentially is going through those three stages. I think they say from Ravnakon or Breslov, the greatest distance in the world is between the head and the heart. But Shabbat enables us to bridge that distance. So, this is the transitional aspect that potentially is available for every Shabbat. We are first liberated from the outside world, we then focus our newfound freedom. I'm connecting to Hashem. And then emotionally, as Shabbat ebbs away, if we've had a successful experience, we are able to combine the heart and the mind in a harmonious home. And at that point, Nebuch, just when we've achieved it, Shabbos ebbs away. That is why the Zemiros of Sudashalishit often have a plaintive tone, kind of a sadness, a yearning, a wistfulness, that we seem to be ready for Shabbos just when it's going away. And that's why we need the spices of Havdalah to revive us and to keep us going. But don't be afraid. Havdalah says, Ke'el Yeshua see, God is the God of my salvation. Eftach, I have trust in him. Velo efchad, I will not be afraid. Because you see, Shabbos is not just a guest that comes and goes. Shabbos is a guest that leaves us something. It leaves us strength. It leaves us faith. It leaves us with the recognition that there's more to life. Than just earning money or whatever it is and the true test of a Shabbos is not simply how you experience Shabbos but the glorious carryover effect that it can have in your week. In L'chad Dodi we read that Shabbos is the Makar HaBracha, Shabbos is the source of strength it is Shabbos, or the source of blessing, rather. It is Shabbos that blesses everything I do because when I know that Hashem is the source of everything, that takes away my fear, that takes away my doubt, that takes away all of my hesitations because I know Hashem is in charge of the world. In fact, it may be, there's a famous Gemara that says, if the Jewish people would keep two Shabbos, they would be they would be redeemed. And people ask the question, why do you need two Shabbases? Why isn't one Shabbos enough? Mordechai ben David's song is just one Shabbos. And we'll all be free. He says, that's based on the Talmud you show me. <laughs> But the Bavli says two Shabbases. So one of the explanations is that I need a Shabbos. But then I need a week that has been elevated by that Shabbos. And then a Shabbos that's been elevated by that week. So that way you have an elevated week and you have an elevated Shabbos. And then you are ready for true redemption and gola I'll just end with Chazal make the point that Mechin shemechen bi'aref Shabbos, the v'shabos, If a person prepares on Friday, they will be able to eat on Shabbos. Now, obviously, that is a Mimer Chazal that can certainly be understood in a very literal way. If you don't prepare your food on Shabbos, either by buying ready-made food or cooking it or wangling a good invitation, you're not going to have food on Shabbos. That's about right true. But, I think there's also a deeper meaning, which is equally true, if not more so. That is, food is not just physical food. Food is soul food. My neshama eats and drinks, kedusha, mitzvos, closeness to God. Shabbos is food for the soul, not just food for the body, although the food for the body can help us have that food for the soul. And what Chazal are telling us is if you want that mazon ruchani, if you want that f- spiritual food for Shabbos, you got to prepare before Shabbos. You can't just go into Shabbos and Shabbos just happens. It requires preparation. We have to prepare for Shabbos, not just in terms of cooking and taking a shower and wearing nice clothes, although all of that is important. But we need to prepare ourselves spiritually. In some places they recite the Song of Songs, the Song of God's love for the Jewish people. Meditation, some type of learning. The more we prepare for Shabbos, the more food for the spirit we're going to have. We are told that Shabbos is neshami Yisera. God gives us an extra soul. Or one might translate it, an enlarged, enhanced capacity to absorb spirituality. But our ability to do so is very much connected to how much we prepare, how much we think about Shabbos. So, that may indeed be part of why, as I said at the very beginning, remembering the day of Shabbos to keep it holy, uh, even means during the week you think about Shabbos, Part of that is so that when I come into Shabbos, I come in a state of hachana, a state of preparing. You know, the Rambam even describes the way a person should be. A person should be ready for Shabbos several hours before Shabbos, and he's sitting at the table yoshevum etzabe, eagerly awaiting the Shabbos queen. Now I have to say that Hashem in Yerushalayim, you actually see kind of that idea. I know in the United States, it's often very, very difficult because we're working until the last minute, etc. So we often don't have time for that, Hachana. But I can assure you that if you give yourself that time, it's going to pay tremendous, tremendous dividends in both your observance of Shabbos and in the effect that the Shabbos is going to have in the following week. So, Hashem, may all of us appreciate the tremendous gift that Hashem has given us, <coughs> a gift that he gives us <coughs> week after week after week. Matana achas says, There's a precious gift that I've given you from my treasure Shabbos Shema. Shabbos is its name. May we treasure it, may we honor it, may we rejoice in it, and may it help us become closer and closer to our Kaddish Borka, and ultimately bring us to the Geula Shalema Bimheira V'yameinu. Thank you.